Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Andy Hope. Andy is the lead iOS engineer at punters.com.au a horse racing data aggregator, as well as the creator of Playgrounds Conference, Australia's first international Swift and iOS developers conference. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? What are you up to? Where are you? So right now I'm in uh, Melbourne. It's just almost 8.30 in the morning and the sun is shining through uh, these beautiful days. Ah, birds are chirping, coffee is roasting, sun is shining. Yeah, Melbourne, uh, for those who don't know, Melbourne is probably one of the best places for coffee beans, like the, sorry, it's cafes. Um, we have an amazing selection here. And then I got my cup, my favorite cup right now. Nice. i never been to Australia. You should. You should definitely come. Yeah, my fiance really, really likes the idea of going to Australia. A lot of uh, her favorite fashion designers are, are, and creators are, are there, like her favorite brands. So um, in addition to, you know, I'm sure everything else that Australia provides, like she really wants to go there. And, and I, yeah, I think like there's a cool development scene, you know, especially um, what hipster whale or whatever, uh, maybe others that I don't even know about. Yeah, Melbourne, uh, in terms of like development, it's kind of the, uh, the boutique. So like you have like Melbourne and Sydney. Sydney is kind of more enterprising. This is... Yeah, my opinions. Some people from Sydney might disagree, but uh, I feel that yeah, Melbourne is definitely the more boutique scene for iOS, uh, and then Sydney has definitely the, the, the enterprise and you know bank apps and stuff like that. Okay, so Melbourne is like boutique, and and Sydney is like business and stuff. Corporate. Yeah, pretty much. Melbourne's super hipster, super social, and uh, you know Sydney is kind of uh, you know business and yeah. Are there startup scenes like in both cities? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. But it sounds like Melbourne's the cooler place to be. Yeah, this is like, this is like that ongoing feud between our two cities. Like, you know, we always think we're better than the other. But uh, I'm definitely happy that I live in Melbourne as opposed to Sydney. Um, just the lifestyle is actually a lot nicer for me. You can fly into both, right? Yeah, I'm actually flying up to Sydney uh, on Thursday. So going to check out the, uh, the Sydney Coca Heads. I wonder if from like LA, if I can just fly directly to Melbourne, I'd have to look that up. So you can. are they both? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Awesome. Nice. United. Are they both? Uh, okay, sorry. United. Yeah. I'm pretty sure United uh, is the only flight from America that goes direct to Melbourne. Interesting. I want to hop on one of those like Concords and like get there in four hours. <laughs> I think the Concords have been out for, I think 20 years now. Nice. <laughs> Man, I'd have to get like first class or something or one of those sleepers because like I, I'm really not good at flying. Like I, I'm just it's not too bad. I mean, when I've done uh, two United uh, two states flights, so I did like um, you know Melbourne to San Francisco, and then I just recently did uh, Melbourne to New York, and you know maybe 26 hours. Yeah, I'm I'm completely wow. fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really tall and I have a hard time sitting, you know. And like, all right, yeah. Home. So if you're tall, then it definitely makes all the difference. I'm not. Uh, I'm about five eight in you know um, imperial system, so I, I usually have like a lot of room for activities and dancing in the, my place and stuff like that. Five eight in the imperial system. I like that. Is that like metric or is imperial the imperial like, is what you use? Oh wow, I didn't know that's <laughs> what it was called. The imperial system. Wow, that sounds so cool. Oh man. That's great. So, and both the, the cities are on the coast? 
Yes, uh, a lot of I think all of Australia's cities are on the coast. Yeah, I think, yeah, they are. Okay, right. yeah. And you're like you're born and raised in in Australia. Yes. Or, yes. or uh, I just assumed. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Is it the right. accent? Yeah, one day for sure. One day I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Australia. Okay, cool. So you are living in Australia in the cool hipster, you know, town the, of Melbourne. I, anyways, and is that where Hipster Whale is, by the way? I've, I don't think I've ever heard of Hipster Whale. The Crossy Road? Oh, um, the, the Crossy Road, that team? That yeah, I think, road? I think yeah, they're yeah, called yeah. Hipster Whale. So, okay, yeah. So they're um, uh, an hour out. They're in a, a place called Ballarat, which is, I think, like an hour out Ballarat. of Melbourne. Yeah, I've never been to Ballarat, but uh, Ballarat. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where they're, where they're based. Oh, cool. All right, so you are in Melbourne. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, we, I really want to talk about playgrounds, um, but I feel like since that's so focused on, like, Swift or very related to Swift, I'll probably save that for, like, the second half of the conversation. So for the first half, um, I want to just learn about who Andy is, how you got to where you are, so take us back to the beginning. Like, when did you get into programming and how did you get into programming? Oh, okay. Um, so I was always uh, into computers. So my parents gave me like a Sega for my fifth birthday. It was like a, and had like Sonic and, you know, Alex Kidd on it. And I was obsessed with that. Like a Sega Genesis? Uh, I think it's called the Master System, the one before that one. Oh, oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, this was like an 80s console. And then I was obsessed with that. And then after, you know, um, you know, when I went into my, uh, well, let's say when I was like nine or 10, I got a computer. And then I was obsessed with the computer and obsessed with the internet. Then eventually, like, you know, I started, I learned you can make websites from, um, for people who were on the, the web in the late 90s. You had like, I think it was like Angel Fire and GeoCities, those web hosting platforms. And on one of them, you can um, update your website through HTML. And I remember the first time I saw HTML code, I was like, wow, this is, this is interesting. You know, I did some tutorials and eventually started learning to teach myself HTML. And then, you know, from that, I got into like web design. Uh, and then, you know, through my late high school years and, you know, my early 20s, I kind of diverted a bit into hospitality. So I started running a bar and that oh, didn't really okay. work out. So uh, when I was about 23, I decided to take up uh, programming again. You know, dust off the old the keyboard and whatever. And then, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just started programming, you know, did some PHP at, like, at the, the community college. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of led into university and I got my degree and then came to Melbourne. I never even visited Melbourne before I decided to move here. But I heard, you know, because Melbourne is Australia's biggest um, uh, iOS capital. Or, you know, it's got the biggest iOS scene. Yeah, in quotation marks. Uh, and I was like, I really want to be a part of that. So I didn't get the job I wanted in Perth, which was the only one job I wanted. Um, and then I jumped on a plane and came to Melbourne. So you said you got a computer for your birthday. Like you were into this Sega Master console. Master System, yeah, yeah. Master System console. And then you got a computer for, Was it, you said it was your birthday, right? Uh, no, I think my dad just uh, brought a computer home one day. Okay. Do you know, like, what he brought it home from work or, like, he bought one and, like, brought it home? Like, I why think did he, he... Uh, yeah, I think he was leased at the time, you know, because he, uh, I think there's something to do with his work. So he leased a computer. It was a compact presario. Oh, I know that computer. I have yeah. that one. The ones with the, uh, the speakers that, you know, attach onto the monitor and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
So he mm. got in that. And then I remember when I was a kid, I, was a, I really wanted to get on the internet, right? And we didn't, have an in, uh, we didn't have a phone line. And then I spent, literally spent hours just trying to connect this computer to the internet without a phone line. Because I had a built-in modem, like a 56K modem. And I could hear it dialing, but it was never you know, returning his signals because it wasn't connected to anything. But I was pretty sure that I could, if I worked at it long enough and tweak enough settings, I can get on the internet. So at what point did you realize that you had to plug it in? <laughs> I don't know. It would have been like a year or two later. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when I actually heard the dial tone of like, I remember those dial tones. Hey, Andy, what are you up to? I'm just trying to get this computer on the internet two <laughs> years later. Hey, Andy, what are you up to? Yeah, I'm still just trying. Have you tried plugging it in? Oh. No, no. <laughs> yeah. That's good, man. Okay, so your dad brings home a compact presario. Mm-hmm. And then you said you, once you got, like two years later, once you got on the internet, you realized you wanted to like make websites like GeoCities. I've heard this before, like this whole GeoCities thing. Yeah. Like how did that, how did that come about? Like how do you think like, oh, GeoCities, websites, HTML, like how did that? Uh, yeah, like I was, I was into um, Pokemon at the time. Yeah, nice. I'm pretty sure it was Pokemon. Yeah, I did, I was really into Pokemon and doing Pokemon websites. So I think of GeoCities as like Squarespace, uh, 20 years ago, you know, the, original, the original idea of Squarespace. Uh, okay. And they have all these templates and you can, I can learn how to put up pictures of Pokemon and then write about my favorite Pokemon. And then, uh, you know, you sort of start tweaking things as you normally do, right? So I want to make this font look like this and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I looked, I seen this button. It's like, you know, edit the code or HTML or whatever it was called. And I clicked that and then a whole bunch of like HTML code showed up. At first, it was imita- like intimidating, but, uh, you know, then I was like, how do I learn HTML? Because I wanted to change a picture or change a font. And then, yeah, it kind of just snowballed into there. I started making tables. Uh, you know, then you sort of get a little bit more into web development. There was like, you know, PHP. And for those people who were back in that time, it would have been like CGI um, and like News Pro CGI plugins and stuff like that. No, I never heard of that. Uh, tell us about that sort of first feeling or those first few feelings you had when you started like poking around with GeoCities and like writing about uh, Pokemon and like, I don't know, it was like your first beginnings of, of programming. Like were you, I guess you were programming at the time, right? You were doing HTML. So you're doing some form of programming. Like tell us about that, those like initial feelings. Like uh, obviously those probably were really important to where you are now. So what, what was that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of like when you really first realize that if I change this piece of text and I press refresh on the browser, it instantly shows me this change. Or if I, you know, swap this piece of text with this piece of text, or you know, mix it around and then you know, there's that instant feedback because it's web, right? So Yeah, instant feedback, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, then, I like, I became obsessed with, like, okay, so it, it kind of became like Lego, you know, is probably the best way. Uh, for me to describe it like oh, if I do this and I can build this and maybe I'm going to go a little bit further and build this and you kind of just snowboard and then you know you have to keep learning to do what you want to do um, and that kind of just sparked the whole thing like you know that, that that big rush of dopamine when something I want happens so then did you study dopamine or endorf- endorphin I can't remember sorry uh, endorphins <laughs> yeah endorphins yeah, yeah. Sounds like a name of like a type of dolphin or something. Yeah, yeah. The endorphins. <laughs> uh, so did you study computer science in high school? Uh, I was 
there were some computer classes. I don't think uh, my schools had computer science uh, back in those days. I remember, you know, doing some JavaScript. Um, you know, it was, it was mainly JavaScript, but it kind of never really went into any fruition. You know, like I did some JavaScript at the same time. Uh, I didn't actually put JavaScript in my own websites. And I think that by that time I was in high school, I was doing like Dragon Ball websites, which I think I had a pretty popular Dragon Ball website. at the Dragon time. Ball Z? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting. I hear this a lot, like people into gaming that become programmers. Like I was into gaming, but not that into gaming, I guess. And so like, it never happened for me. But I, I think it's really great. You know, it's really great that there is this like sort of gateway you know, into into programming like through gaming. I hear that a lot. So then the programming you were doing while you were in high school, was that more of just like an after-school activity you would do with your friends or by yourself? I think it was one of the electives. Uh, so in high school, in, in my one, you can pick, you have to do your four main subjects, which is like English, math, uh, society, and um, something else. And then you can choose like one or, or two or three other electives. And I think, I was like, okay, I'm into programming and websites and stuff like that. So I chose JavaScript and and drama and whatever, um, but yeah, the the JavaScript course is one. Of those, I was one of those students who was like too. I felt too smart for that class because like, here's this curriculum for you know, the the next twelve weeks. Yeah, and then I'd finished it within like three weeks, and it was just kind of me just bumming around. Doing yeah, nothing. I hear that a lot too. Actually, like some people, they're learning programming on their own, and they go to school, and they're already ahead of their class. I wonder, do you feel like you would have benefited from more? either more classes, like more opportunities in high school, or at least just more advanced ones? It, it would have been good, but I mean, I'm not sure if there would have been um, you know, enough people to fill those things because you know, I was kind of the exception. Uh, every, the, you know, they build those classes as entry-level classes and you can't really expect people to um, dive straight in and uh, you know, right. just start solving everything. You know, right, it has right. to be like a special unit or like a combined unit after school where a whole bunch of other kids from other schools would do that kind of thing, I'd say. All right, so you graduate high school, I'm assuming, and you said you went to university and you studied uh, computer science there? No, I took a, after high school, I, you know, went straight into the hospitality scene. Oh, uh, right, right. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I spent, uh, I finished high school in, when I was 18. Um, I took a leap year during high school. And uh, I think I went straight into bars because, you know, after that, you know, I was... So in Australia, you actually graduate from high school when you're 17. Okay. And back in those times, uh, you didn't actually have to go to school after the 10th grade. So if you had a job lined up or in like a, a traineeship. Like legally, because I think in the U.S., like you're sort of... It's like almost illegal to not go to high school or something. I think like it's that way now, yeah. Okay, so so what happened with you then? I, uh, I decided, I was like, I did 10 years of study. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take some time off and... You know, I work in the supermarket, like stocking shelves. I did that for a year and then I realized like, oh, I, I don't ever want to do this. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, so, that's good though. It's good, yeah. to know, it's good to know what you don't want to do. Exactly. I mean, it kind of, when I went back to school, it, uh, you know, I was the older kid and uh, I, I had much more appreciation about getting good grades. And, you know, so it was, a, it was a definitely a positive uh, thing for me to realize what I don't want. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so when I was 18, I was in 12th grade and a lot of people are still 17, right? So, you know, on our lunch break in my college, because we have this uh, a senior school, so it's only grade 11, grade 12, we could leave the, the school campus anytime we want because we all go eat tacos. Uh, we went to the pub, so. Nice. Oh, wait, what's the drinking age in, in Australia? 18. 
Nice. So, so yeah. you were like a cool older hip kid, and everybody was like trying to hang out with you. There was uh, me and a couple of friends. So we were in the we were like the eighteen plus. So we you know go out and have some drinks on our lunch break, uh, nice. on our extended lunch break, and then come back to school kind of a little bit, a little bit tipsy. But you know that kind of sparked the whole thing of like I really love hospitality, and you know because I throwing parties and I really like being the host. Um, yeah. Oh, t- tell me about it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of did that. And, you know, I eventually wanted to run my own bar. So I um, started working on hospitality, right? And then after a couple of years, I realized it's probably not the best thing uh, for me, you know, because it's really, really long hours. Like finish, start at 9 a.m., finish at 1 a.m. Right. Late nights. Yeah, definitely. All the late nights. Okay, so what do you do? How, how long did you do that for? And then what do you, you do? How do you make that decision? Um, so I did that for maybe about three or maybe four years, four or five years. Okay, right. You said you were in your early 20s. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, like, you know, I was running this bar. So the only person above me was the owner. So I guess I was in charge of everything else that he was as well. Wow. And uh, I was, you, you know, when you work in hospitality, you kind of, fall out with friends because they keep inviting you out because I know it's Friday after work and they're having birthdays and you can't really do anything because you're always working. Right. Everyone's out having fun while you're working. I'm like, okay, you kind of get used to it. But then uh, I was going, I had one night off and we're going to like some party and then another person there was like, you know, she works at Domino's. I think you have Domino's in America, right? Pizza. Yeah. 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 And then she kind of just blurted out like, you know, she made X amount of money and then I was like, wow, you make, more than I do, and I run a bar, and you, all you do is make, you know, like, pizza. I was like, wow, that kind of became this catalyst of me not wanting to be in hospitality, you know, because I was working way more hours as this person, you know, like, you know, I want to be, um, I don't want, you know, I want to sort of uh, have a comfortable life. Yeah, you're thinking, okay, I'm working super hard, I really enjoy this hospitality thing, but now it's kind of, like, taking over my life, I can't see my friends, there's, like, a compromise, and I'm not... Making a, I'm making less than someone who's just making pizza. It's like, what's going on? That doesn't seem right. Yeah, that's pretty much my exact thought. So, I mean, okay. over the next you know few months, my my uh, attitude towards the work kind of changed, and you know, became incredibly disinterested. And eventually, uh, you know, the owner and I were really close friends. As I think it's time for you to move on, and I was like, yeah, I think it is. Oh then I wow, went to it's similar to my story. Like the you know boss told me kind of the same thing. Wow, that's 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 great. I mean, you're lucky to have someone who cares about you to tell you, like, you know, you don't. Maybe this isn't the best thing for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's nice that uh, he, you know, put that towards me and then kind of just like showed me the door in like a very very polite way. I'm like, okay, yeah, I think it's I think it is time for that I move on. And then after okay, that, so I went to uh, went to college. Oh, okay. So you step out the door and you go to college. Tell us about that though. Like, did you just immediately? go out, you know, go out one door and go into the other? Did you take like a break and decide who did you talk to and like consult and how did you make that decision to go back to college? Um, it was, I think there was like a small break because you have to wait until the next semester starts. So I was kind right. of on the, uh, the unemployment program for a couple of months. And then the new, uh, with government here, like once you, st- once you study full time, the government also gives you assistance to sort of keep, pay the bills and stuff like that. Nice. So in Australia. Yeah, it's good. Um, so after that, I, once the semester started, like, so we have, our college here is called TAFE, T-A-F-E, and it's T-A-F-E, pretty much... T-A-F-E, TAFE. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so we did TAFE. 
I did TAFE and I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to do. So like I looked at uh, business analyst or systems analyst, I think it was the original title I wanted. I had no idea what it did, but it just sounded cool, I thought. So I was like, okay. And then there's like a business programming because I didn't want to get into games programming. So I was like, okay, let's do business programming. There's like PHP classes and Visual Basic and um, I think a little bit of Python as well. And then you do that, and I was going to go for my diploma, but then I realized, I mean, it's probably changed now, but at the time I realized this diploma wasn't really going to get me the job I wanted. Because, I mean, once I was in there, I was like, okay, well, programming is actually really, really fun again, you know, because I'm actually learning about object-oriented programming. Right. Um, and I found that really, really fun and interesting, but at the same time, the TAFE uh, certificate wasn't going to lead me to like the job I wanted. You know, it was going to get me like at a, at a support level job um, if, if I stuck with that. So after, okay. uh, after a year of uh, doing college, I did a bridging course into uh, university and that's when I got my CS degree. Interesting. So TAFE is like a vocational yeah, college? Yeah, exactly. And then instead yeah. of sticking with the vocational college, you transferred to a four-year institution, what we call a four-year institution, like a real university where you'd get like what we call a bachelor's degree. Yeah, so like yeah, uh, ours goes for three years, but yeah, I did go into a uh, bachelor's degree. Okay. Or undergrad. All right, so how did that go? Yeah, that was really, very really good. Um, so nice. with college, uh, it's filled with a whole bunch of uh, people who, you know, at the time could also leave school. So if you can leave school after 10th grade when you're 15, you can go into vocational training, which is TAFE. Um, I remember just being there, like, because I was in my 20s at the time, and I was also being in the same classroom as, like, 16-year-olds. And oh, wow. one of these kids are just treating it like it was high school, like, you're not my mom, you can't tell me what to do. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So after that, I was like, I'm out. I, I can't do this. And then, you know, you go to uh, university, and you know, everyone actually really wants to be there. At least most of the people do in the first year. Second year, everyone wants to be there. Okay. Hmm. So a little more um, mature, a little more driven. Like TAFE is kind of like, it's it's sort of like a, it's just vocational. You kind of do it if you don't know what to do and you're still in that kind of high school vibe. Yes, exactly. You know. Okay, so you go yeah. to, what's the university? Uh, I went to Edith Cowan, so Edith Cowan Edith. University. Yeah. Cool. So you get to Edith, do you, you live there or you, you commute or? No, so in Australia, it's it's not very common for students to live at the university. Usually we go to universities near our house or in our cities we just drive to and from university. If, yeah, if we're going to a university within our, within our own state, so maybe like a, for me it was like a 20 minute drive each day. Oh, okay. Hmm. So uh, what are you, you're studying computer science there full time or is it like kind of a mix of? Mix of yeah, I, I, did, uh, I did my six month bridging course. So this is how you write reports and this is how you know, you work with the system and et cetera. And then you go straight into your first year uh, studies, which is kind of like, um, they, they just touch on everything with computer science, like a little bit of programming, a little bit of database systems, um, et cetera. Uh, how uh, did you feel at that time? Did you feel like it was back in high school where you knew everything or did you feel like now you were really learning um, and you, it was more challenging? I think it was like, yeah, it's definitely like a bit of both, right? Like I had previous experience from my certificate at the college from doing some programming at the same time, you're learning um, a lot about new stuff, like stuff I would never have thought of learning, such as um, what's one called, like computational mathematics, where you oh, like wow, you know okay. um, you know rotate uh, matrices and you know combine uh, you know like do uh, functional logic gates, that kind of stuff. So, 
So yeah. did you have that same feeling that you had, you know, when you first started, like that same kind of, I'm sure you had other feelings, but did you kind of have that same excitement again, like that immediate feedback and like that building? Um, my, my, my main excitement was just to be happy learning something that I found interesting, you know, like oh, yeah, coming out great. of, you know, five years of hospitality and, you know, my lifestyle completely changed. I was learning and I was, you know, uh, going home at a decent hour and I was catching up with friends and making up with friends. It was kind of uh, getting back to what I'd what I'd lost as well as, you know. It's a great feeling to love, like love learning or be excited to learn. I think as humans, we love learning, but sometimes maybe we're not learning something that excites us. But man, what a great feeling to, to be learning something that you love. And then you learn it even more. You learn it better. Yeah, like um, I feel that, you know, when you when you do your CS courses, you learn about stuff you probably never, ever would have self-taught yourself, like, you know, would have taught myself, you know, like big O notation, um, all the, the small things and theoretical things that, you know, I almost never use them. But at the same time, it's kind of good to have that background knowledge of like, okay, this is how these works and this is uh, all the different types of stuff as opposed to like, I'm being forced to learn something even though I don't, it's not, it's not required of me to use it in my job. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like kind of a, it's an interesting subject. You know, I, I don't come from a CS degree, you know, background, but uh, now I'm, I'm feeling like I should go back and, and kind of brush up. Do you feel like if, you know, you feel like you, it was worth it, like, you know, that, or you use that knowledge. Because um, I hear from a lot of, you know, hiring people, like I spoke with the guy at Uber when I was at Swift uh, Summit, he was like, data structures and algorithms. And I spoke with another, like, person, like, data structures and algorithms. You know, it's like, so these things, I, you don't really have to learn as an iOS developer. Maybe you learn through CS. Like, do you think, like, that stuff's pretty important? In uh, as an iOS developer, I think it's good to know about it, but at the same time, like, you know, bigger notation, I'm never really working with algorithms that big that it's going to make such a difference. I think that's more of a hiring thing you know, with the states. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. in Australia, we don't really, uh, we don't do whiteboard tests or you know, we oh, don't okay. ask you about, you know, you know, computer science stuff. We do code reviews and, you know, look nice. at Nice. You hear like that? that? Swift coders moved to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever had an interview in Australia where they asked me to, you know, talk about data structures or link list. Okay, so you're in college. Uh, you're at you're at Edith. Um, you do you graduate? You get a degree and you get a job. Tell us about that. All right. Okay. So yeah, I was I got my degree, but during my time, I uh, did an internship at a sm uh, small startup called Filter Squad. Uh, they made uh, the app Discover. So if you're into music, um, it was the app where you sort of search for an artist and then you, it finds the artist for you and then it taps in all this uh, music data. And then you, you create like a graph of um, other related artists and it keeps going like infinite. So oh, you're like, awesome. okay, so I like Pendulum and then Pendulum's music is similar to Knife Party and then Knife Party's music is similar to, um, let's say, Subfocus. I'm just naming out drums. Is that still here. available? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think they actually put it back on the App Store. It was like one of the um, Perth, which is my original uh, my original cities, it was one of Perth's biggest uh, uh, startups in terms awesome. of like, um, you know, capital and stuff like that. So I did my, uh, my, my internship there during school and I absolutely fell in love with the whole startup scene because, you know, it was just, uh, I think it was like six or seven of us. There was like free lunch and this is very, very unheard of in, in Perth, you know, or even maybe in Australia as well to some extent. And it was just us six and we were just working, all listening to music, all very passionate about music and just I'm learning to code from some really, really smart people. So uh, you're doing that, objective, objective C at that point? 
Yeah, yeah. So okay, I was so brought iPhone, on. Uh, iPhone is out. You know, you have an iPhone probably, and you're doing Objective C. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I started Objective C in 2010 with iOS three, and by oh, that wow, time okay. it was iOS six. So I was brought on as an intern to do like you know. Um, uh, the CEO was very much into design, so he's like, "Hey, can you prototype this for me?" And he's like, "He gave me some ideas, and I just go prototype them, and yeah, eat food and listen to music." So was that was that internship like your first experience with iOS and Objective C? Oh no, uh, that was sort of my first commercial experience. Um, oh okay. When I when I was doing my universe, like when I was like year one or year two of my university, I was into DJing to pay the bills. Uh, I used nice. To do a lot of DJing as well. What kind of music? Uh, at the time, it was I used to listen to drum and bass and happy hardcore, so it was like nice. kind of the raves and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. as I grew up, I started moving into like electro and house. And then uh, to uh, to pay the bills, I was you know I was doing like top forty and uh, even like old and goldies and stuff like that, like disco and. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. how does that lead to to iOS development? Um, I was. Yeah, well, I just kind of took a detour right then. Uh, no, no, that's cool. I, I asked you what kind of music. Uh, yeah, so I was hanging out with someone, uh, my friend, and she had another friend. So we were, our three were hanging out together. And as I was DJing, yeah, I bought a Mac because I, I used to be anti-Apple completely. <laughs> I was one of those people like, it's got no specs, I can't play games on it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I, was, I bought a Mac and then I, you know, so I can you know, use Tractor to DJ and stuff like that. Did you have an iPod or an iPhone? Uh, I had... I think I got my Mac before my iPhone. I think so. What yeah. about an iPod? No. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you were like, I want to get Tractor DJ. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was doing that and um, I don't know. I became, I think I was like in the lead up to buying my Mac and my plan to buy an iPhone. I was like reading nine to five Mac like every day looking for all the, the rumors and stuff like that. And, you know, during this is like the gold rush of the app store. And I was like, wow, I really just I found myself reading it all the time. So I was like, why don't I just get into development? Because I'm doing some coding. And I met someone who knew someone, oh, I'm sorry, whose partner was like into development. And he gave me, I was like, yeah, yeah, if you want this, just have this book, I'm done with it. So I was like, Erica Sadoon's iOS Developers Cookbook. Ooh, and shout then, out to Erica. We yeah. On the podcast. Yeah, she, uh, she was my first book and I'm, you know, I'm super pumped to have, uh, you know, learned from her because I've got a, another one of her books as well. Um, but yeah, like I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And then um, I just started programming from there, like, you know, doing, you know, I did like an intro, intro course to C first. So I did like two weeks of C, just smashed out this book. And then I went to Objective-C, so Erica Sadoon's um, straight after, you know, manual, memory, manual, manual memory management. Was, <laughs> I'm so okay, glad so you're doing, you're doing iOS development um, on the side. You end up getting this internship where you're doing iOS development, Objective-C. You, um, do you graduate and then get a job um, out of university, or? Yeah, so well, I did. I finished my internship, and I had like another semester to go before I got my uh, my degree. And then, uh, you know, I, I was doing that part time because I only had like one or two units left. And then I was like, okay, well, the company, the internship I worked at, uh, no longer existed. So I really wanted to work in a vibe like that, the kind of the boutique vibe, where it's like, hey, trendy, and we all look, we'll all look after our people, and. S- you know, we're just really, really cool bunch of people. So yeah. there's only one company. There's only one company um, in Perth that did that. I said, like, "Hey, I'm." In, I applied for the job when I was in Thailand, and uh, I came back and like, "Yeah, we want to talk to you." And I 
got around through the first interviews and then the second interviews I was like one of the finalists right and there was, they told me that yeah it's between you and two other people and I'm like okay cool so as I was waiting for my final interview uh, the, the candidate before me comes out with the interviewer I'm like oh so the candidate they're interviewing was actually my university lecturer and he's doing what? his PhD in uh, artificial like yeah, artificial intelligence. I was like, oh, there's no way I've got this job. Oh, no. Yeah, you're sweating. Yeah. And then, you know, we all have a chat and have a laugh. Like, yeah, this is my lecturer. Uh, you know, we went through the interview and it's like, the guy's like, yeah, this is awkward. Like, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I knew by that time, I was like, there's no chance. There's no way I'm getting this. And, you know, I had a friend who I did my internship. He moved to Melbourne and he raved on about it. I was like, you know, I'll move to Melbourne then because, you know, Melbourne's got uh, Melbourne Cocoa Heads, which is the biggest in Australia. It's definitely why. Uh, my influencing decision to come here and yeah i never been i jumped on a plane and came to melbourne so you didn't get the job or you didn't even wait you were just like ah screw it i'm going to melbourne oh i i knew i didn't get the job yeah that second okay. i saw him i was like i'm i'm tapping out of this one okay so you moved to melbourne you joined coco heads in melbourne and then what what do you do yeah so uh during that transition between uh, me moving to melbourne i was working for another small company and there was like the worst company i've ever worked for They're just uh oh no yeah, well, you have it like it's like really officey, and you know, coming from that cool, trendy uh, internship to this one, who's yeah poorly managed, deflating. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is not really fun. But you know, as I moved to Melbourne, so I, I continued to work remotely for them, and that was really hard because you know you're you're in a, a new city and you don't really know anyone, and I wasn't really making enough money to sort of I was making enough money to survive and get by, but you know, I couldn't really go out and meet new people. So it was a really really sucky point, and then yeah. I decided. Uh, you know, I'm going to um, go on LinkedIn and just look for a new job. And within that day, I got contacted, contacted by a recruiter. Awesome. Said, hey, we got this new company, Punters, uh, really keen on design and, you know, checked it out. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, during the interview, I, sp- I scoped out the office. I was like, this is exactly what I ordered. So, awesome. yeah, I got the job here uh, two and a half right. years ago, I think. So, yeah, I mean, you were feeling down, but you were doing, you were doing, you know, what you loved, but you're feeling down kind of about the position, but you didn't give up. You kept going at it and you found an opportunity and you're doing it now. And then, you know, now you're doing the playgrounds, which I, I want to talk about. But really quickly before we do, a couple questions about um, punters, if you don't mind, since you are, as you said, an I, the, like the lead iOS engineer there. Can you tell us uh, like rapid fire, um, like, do you guys do um, pair programming? Uh, so I've typically in my, my experience, I've only been the sole developer and maybe I've only worked with one other person at any given time. So, you know, we, it was a small team, uh, the other person left before me. So then I was just the sole iOS developer and then we started hiring. So we hired two more people. And for me, it's like, um, I'm kind of put into this leadership role as I kind of learn as I go. Yeah. So, you know, we do like code reviews and, uh, pair programming, like I'll sit down, uh, you know, they walk me through the code or sometimes I'll just put them together. Right. Um, so you kind of had to pair, right? Because you're hiring new people, you're walking them through the code. Do you yeah. guys do testing? Uh, it's something we've uh, recently started doing because, you know, when you're a product company um, and you're, any, you're the only developer, it's kind of the CEO doesn't, it's hard to sort of justify the value of testing when, you know, we're trying to deliver on as many features as possible. Totally. But now we have, you know, the more resource we get. She's like, hey, let's write some tests and stuff like that. But we're nowhere near full coverage. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, no, that's cool. I think it's becoming more and more, like, uh, well-known and sort of understood and respected. So Uh, what about um, uh, source control? 
Yeah, we use uh, Bit Bitbucket, so Git and Bitbucket. Awesome. You uh, use Git from the command line or from like a GUI, like <laughs> Git Tower or something? Uh, I'm definitely an, into Tower. Yeah. Like, I mean, nice. if I'm updating our Cocoa Pod repo, then I'll you know use command lines and stuff like that. But uh, nice. I'm definitely a UI and visual person. Awesome. Cool. And uh, you're set up at uh, work. Or do you guys work um, in an office or remotely? Or, or uh, we work in an office, yeah. What's your setup like? You got a standing desk? You got like a, a laptop or an iMac? Uh, I have a Retina 5K and I also have a uh, secondary display, which is just a cinema display. So we all, all of us have that. Nice. Retina uh, 5K iMac? Oh, I'm the only one with the Retina. But, uh, oh, okay. Because uh, when they started, we need new computers. Like, okay, I want a Retina. But uh, nice. it, everyone's got two twenty-seven inches, two two twenty-seven inch monitors. Ooh, nice! Yeah. <laughs> Stand-up desk. Uh, it was. I wanted one for a time, but I've kind of uh, let go of that that desire yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> I might just go for a Swiss ball or something. Uh, what's that? A Swiss ball. Do you know those um, exercise balls that you just sit on? Oh yeah, yeah, like a yoga ball. Yeah, yeah. That. Okay. Nice. And like you bounce and stuff on it. <laughs> nice. When, when okay. it compiles, yeah, maybe. Nice. I might try that. Oh, when it compiles, right. Okay, so now I want to get um, to to Swift specifically and Playgrounds Conference and all that because I'm really excited to speak with you um, about Playgrounds. Um, you know, I want to do a conference in L.A., and so definitely want to pick your brain on that. Real yes. quick, before we get into that, just a quick uh, mention of how we met. We've never met in person uh, and I think I just hit you up maybe randomly or no, wait, there was something about IBM, right? Um, like you guys wanted yeah. to get an IBM speaker at Playgrounds and then I think we kind of connected that way. I'd, yeah, I'd heard your podcast before. Um, you know, I was going through like, hey, what podcast do I need to listen to this year? And then uh, yours came up. So I was uh, listening to your podcast and then you did something with IBM. And at yeah. that point I was in the planning phases of uh, Playgrounds. So I was like, hey, uh, such a I think from IBM. you hit up. I think you hit up IBM, like you tweeted IBM or something like that. And then I was like, hey, like, let me know. I'm down to help uh, if I, you know, if, if, if at all. And then you and I kind of just connected that way. I think so. Yeah, it's, it's becoming like a, my, my days as of planning playgrounds, my days have become very, very blurred. Yeah. Uh, my recollection of things. Yeah. I can imagine. So anyways, again, Twitter, amazing for connecting people. I love Definitely. Twitter. Yeah, same. Okay. So 2014, Swift comes out. You're doing Objective-C. What are your thoughts uh, when Swift, like where were you and what are your thoughts when Swift is announced? Uh, I think I was watching the keynote. It was like, it's a 4 a.m. in Melbourne. You know, we always get up for the keynote. And, you know, there's uh, Hair Force One. And it's like, wouldn't Objective-C be cool without the C? And then he does his, his own little mic drop. And I was like, what? And then, you know, everyone's rushing to the betas. And I'm like, okay, cool. But, you know, I didn't go straight into it. I was going to, I'll let this sit for like a day or two because I'm still pretty tired. Um, but then, you know, you see on Twitter, like everyone's having all these troubles with the beta. I was like, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't need that in my life right now. So I was, uh, well, definitely wasn't an early adopter. But um, once Swift hit 1.1, because uh, my boss is a, he's a, my CEO is a technical CEO, so he does his background in PHP and uh, et cetera. And he kept asking me, like, are you doing Swift? Are you doing Swift? I was like, no, nah, I don't think it's good right now. And then, you know, when 1.1 came out, I was like, he's like, are you going to do Swift? I was like, yeah, okay, let's do Swift. <laughs> and then, you know, I kind of just taught myself, you know, probably not the best idea, but, you know, through production code. So, like, okay, I'm just going to put this in, you know, production. 
So we started off with our data layer and it's like, okay, it's pretty cool. And then our data layer was actually not really that good. But uh, yeah, so 1.1 came out and I started, you know, just writing Swift pretty much full time from then on. So we had this rule in our, uh, I, I set this rule within the iOS code base is like every new thing we write or every new, let's say we update like a view controller, we just rewrite the entire thing in Swift. Awesome. And it was kind of just, you know, forcing myself to learn it as well as, you know, reading blogs and then uh, using Linda tutorials. Yeah. Okay, so I want to get into Playgrounds. Uh, can you take us to, like, why Playgrounds and how it came about? For instance, for me and my meetup, I had been wanting to do it for a while, and one day, you know, I would have done it earlier, but you have to pay for to have a meetup. There's mm. no, no free option on meetup.com. One day, I had too much coffee, and I was just like, I just did it. So take us to, like, why playgrounds and like how did it eventually happen how did you eventually like you know take the leap um yeah so in uh during 2015 so i've got my full-time i actually had my graduate my uh graduate ceremony in late 2014 because of delayed ceremony and in 2015 i told myself i'm just going to take a mental break so i'm just going to do my work uh get by because you know when you're doing we're talking about like 16 years of study all up whatever so i'm going to do nothing, you know, take some time off and et cetera for 2015. And I did that um, as I was learning Swift on the side and stuff like that. But 2016 was on the corner. I was like, what do I want to do for 2016? I was like, okay, it's time to uh, start to kick things into gear. And, you know, I want to sort of contribute back to Swift because I love Swift so much. I was like, hey, how do I do this? Do I, you know, do I start a newsletter or do I start a blog? Do I create like an open source repo? Um, and then I just decided, okay, well, I'm going to uh, start writing blogs. So I started off with some pretty simple blogs. And Swift is still new. I was like, everyone's still kind of learning how to handle it and how to, the right way of doing things. So uh, I started blogging. And then uh, after a couple good uh, posts, I think, uh, some people picked it up and then it got into newsletter circulation. Um, yeah, Chris, uh, I was fortunate enough to have Chris Latner tweet one of my, my posts. Nice. And, and uh, that Do you remember of, which one it was? Yeah, my, my thing is uh, syntax sugar, so making code look nice. I'm, I have like semi-design eye, so I like making things look pretty and stuff like that. So I always try to work with like Swift and make it look more readable and look make it appear nicer. So that, you know, helped me get uh, the attention of some people. And uh, I was also in, at the time I was like, attending conferences, right? So I was in Japan um, and uh, try Swift was actually around the time I was actually going to be in Japan. So I spoke to my boss, like, hey, I really want to go here. They sent me there. And then um, right. you know, I walk in uh, on the second day because I was, I was snowed in coming from Niseko on the first day. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, I was like, wow, this is just this is amazing. This is so cool, like, you know, in this foreign country and a whole bunch of Swift people here. And, you know, because uh, at the time I didn't really have very many Swift friends. So I'm like, and we talking code. And I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. I love this. And I came back and then at, at Try Swift, I was like, I think there needs to be one of these in, in, in Australia. So I you know, came back and I thought about doing it. I met with some people and I was like, maybe it's probably not the best idea for now because you know, I'm, I'm 29 right now, but at the same time, I'm also trying to save up for a house. And I met someone who, had, um, who was completely you know, transparent with me and he lost quite a bit of money over three years. I'd be like, I can't, I can't, I can't take that risk. So yeah, I put it on the back burner. That was in March and then, uh, my company sent me to AltConf. Um, in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And then, you know, I was at AltConf. I was like, wow, this is, ah, I love I love conferences, you know, hanging out with people. And 
I met you online and I've read your stuff and, you know, it's kind of the good feels of like, wow, yeah. you're so smart and I'm actually going to hang out with you and you know, having coffee with you or having a beer or whatever. And I came back from old conf, you know, like as everyone comes back from Dub Dub era or the Dub Dub uh, San Francisco oh, yeah, that's Dub Dub like, time. Yeah, that's Everything's like high, exciting. High yeah. yeah. You know, this massive sugar rush and it's like, maybe I should do a conference again. And then it started up again. I was like, uh, I don't think I can do it. So that I put it on the back burner again. And then um, I kept blogging during all this time. And uh, Natasha, uh, Natasha the Robot, she invited me to speak at Tri-Swift in New York. And um, you know, <laughs> I walk in again. I was like, wow, I, I, I love conferences. You know, I really want to do this. So I did my talk and I came back from uh, New York in late September because I stayed back for an extra week. And I looked at my finances. I'm like, okay, well, and I spoke with people again. So I have like a board of advisors and stuff. And I'm like, if I do this, if I do this, and like, yeah, okay. So I just decided, uh, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to this. And I signed the contract um, for the venue. I had to do some venues and scope out who was interested in talking and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it kind of just, it all came about, uh, a little solidified, sorry, uh, in early October for Playgrounds. Of this year? Uh, last year, yeah. So twenty. I'm sorry, of last year. Yeah. I always think I always think in school years of last year. Wow, and it's happening. Um, okay, let's step back a second because I realize we haven't explained what Playgrounds is actually. Sure. Um, so Playgrounds Conference, Swift um, and Apple Developers Conference. I, I think it's uh, in Melbourne. Why, why don't you kind of give us uh, the the high, you know, kind of just tell us about it. Uh, give us give us the pitch and you know when is it and all that stuff, and then we're going to continue from there. Yeah, so uh, we Melbourne has uh, Australia has like an, uh, an Apple Developers Conference, right? It's called DevWorld, and that happens in August every year, um, and it's great. You know, it's been going for nine years, and you know the what. Uh, and then I was going to all these international conferences. I was meeting all these people who's like, let's say, like open source. I was using or whose blogs I was reading, and I felt that uh, this other conference in Australia was kind of missing that. You know, where was local, it or where is it it's in melbourne it's called uh, okay. DevWorld. so but when i was at um tri swift in new york and tokyo um as well as you know altconf i was meeting all these people and i was like wow you should come to australia i wish these people would come to australia because our nearest yeah. conference is eight hours flight you know like if we exclude DevWorld, it's eight hours flight to uh tokyo and then it's also another eight hours flight to uh singapore which also had ios conf Singapore, I think it was called. Recently, yeah. Is is DevWorld iOS or Apple specific? It's mainly Apple specific, but it's uh, it's a lot of. Um, is it more like an altconf, or or is it more like a, almost like a like a trade show as opposed to like a I conference with a bunch of developers? I feel that it was kind of a like a big combination of all the Coca heads. So there's Coca okay. heads, and there's also like people doing uh, stuff in Apple development. And, you know, I was at the talks in 2015 at the, I was at DevWorld in 2015 and it was good. It was very informative, but, uh, but it lacked I, something. Yeah. I felt it, it could use a little bit something like, uh, um, people who are really aspired to, I wish those people would come into Australia and the uh, Swift rock stars. Yeah. In, in a sense, you know, like the people like I aspire and who I look up to and I think are really, really smart. Um, you know, I really want to see them and get to know them and on a more personal level. Um, and then I, yeah, I think DevWorld, uh, you know, as much as I love it and as much as it is a big part of the Australian community, um, I felt there was like a, 
a niche I could fill. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that is sort of uh, what Playgrounds is from sort of a behind-the-scenes kind of vision or purpose. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Playgrounds is from like a attendee perspective? Sure. I mean, I'm take. I mean, in my limited experience of going to conferences, like the things I really like, I'm, Playgrounds is just uh, a combination of everything I like about uh, going to conferences. You know, like hey, we have all these speakers who. Um, you know, I, I'm personally, you know, I love reading their blogs and I use their software and their open source tools like CocoaPods, Fastlane, Dexit, you know, like these are the people I, I, I really um, want to hear speak. So, uh, and as well as, you know, conferences, you know, you have the lineup, which is kind of one of those things you just tell your boss to get tickets to it. But we're also organizing social events like, hey, like it's cool learning a lot of stuff at the same time. It's also even better to make you know, networks and connections and like, you know, I've met some really amazing people in, um, in, in these different cities and when I go back it's like oh hey you're here and I'm here so let's hang out so these trying to make international friends as well um, outside of work it's kind of just like a, a soiree of you know, developers talking about Swift and whatnot uh, after the conference so is it um, mostly going to be like presenter style so like um, I think like a try Swift or just like a typical um, developer conference where it's like presenter style or is it going to be um, something different? Uh, or what would you say is like the the playgrounds take? I mean, you know, you have this specific name, playgrounds. Uh, actually, I read on the website too. You mention it. Um, you know, playgrounds is a thing, right? In iOS, like it's a program yeah. inside Xcode. Um, so, like, what would you say is that like unique thing about playgrounds that people can expect when they when they come? Uh, I'd I'd really just position it to be like in a conference of international scale. In Australia, um, you know these people, who, our, our speakers generally wouldn't come to Australia because it's actually really, really far away from everything, right? right? Um, yeah, I just wanted that. That was a, the biggest take of it. Like, let's bring these people who you know and you read and uh, you, whose software you use and whose tools you use. Just bring them to Australia so you can actually get to meet them in person, you know, um, and just learn really. Do you think that it's mostly going to be, I mean, it's kind of, maybe it's obvious, but it's going to be mostly people from Australia, but do you see a lot of people from outside of Australia flying to be an attendee? Yeah, I, I look at, uh, so we use Eventbrite as a ticketing platform, and it gives me like a bunch of geodata. And uh, I actually saw someone the other day, his name's Greg, I can't remember his last name, but uh, he's actually coming from Paris. And I've seen wow. people come from New York uh, and some from San Francisco. Wow. So it's mainly, it's definitely predominantly Australian, like the Australasian markets, so Australia, New Zealand, and parts of Asia. But we're also seeing people from Europe and, and the, uh, North America, which is good. It's, yeah. Are you going to be featuring any local Australian speakers? Yeah. So uh, we had three originally, but uh, one of them couldn't make it, unfortunately. So uh, the, two, the two Australians I have, uh, one of them is Matt Comey. He does big bucket games. Um, if you played uh, uh, Space Age or The Incident uh, on the awesome. App Store, yeah, he's one. I did my internship with him, and he's super smart. Oh wow! And you know, I'm like, hey, I'm doing this conference. Do you want to come? Is it like, yes? And the other one is uh, Matt Gallagher. So he does Coco with Love. Uh, yeah, that the blog sounds familiar. Yeah, and you know, like I always thought he was. Uh, I did my first iOS tutorial from his website. You know. Oh, cool. So I was like, I really, and I met him uh, out of luck. In Melbourne, because he's actually from Melbourne, I didn't I didn't realize this. Um, last year at a at a tech meetup, 
And they're like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And we caught. I mean, I sent him an email in October. It's like, do you want to come speak at Playgrounds? It's like, yeah, for sure. So when, when uh, I ask you, you know, these questions about Playgrounds, I feel like I get a sense of um, kind of like you have a sense of pride that you're bringing this to Melbourne, like, and it's this international conference for Melbourne. Um, I, ho- I hope I'm right in that. And if I am, like, what do you, why do you think that is? Like, what do you see as the value that you're creating? I think that uh, there's a lot of people around the world that might be similar to you. They, they're thinking about, you know, filling this void in, uh, in their city, bringing, mm. um, inspiring people um, to their city. Like, what do you think the potential is here uh, to, you know, to provide for your community? I just, when Dub Dub comes around, right, you know, every June, there's like a, like a joke going around uh, in Australia where a trip to Dub Dub is at least $10,000, right? So we have flights, then we have accommodation, then Dub Dub tickets, and then, you know, food and drink and stuff like that. Um, you know, when I was thinking about playgrounds, I was like, what if we just pull our money together and bring, instead of us going there, why don't we just bring everyone here? And then just, you know go to the event here as opposed to you know like you know once a year or something like that, and uh, that was that's pretty much the idea of it. Just want to bring the people here and give uh, the people in Australia as well as you know the other attendees from overseas uh, the chance to meet people uh, who whose work they're familiar with. All right, so it's October two thousand sixteen, and you've been telling yourself like over and over again, you know, at least a few times, like I want to do a conference. You've been going to conferences around the world, mm. so uh, so, and you've you know been inspired by them. So you come back, you sit down, and you're like, I'm gonna do it. What's the first thing that you do? Like you've decided to do do a conference. What do you do? How do you take that leap? Like what's the first step? Um, sorry, excuse me. Uh, uh, when I was, you know, was, uh, I came back from New York and I was like, do we need to do a conference? And then I looked at all my finances and I looked, you know, looked at my house savings. So I was saving for a house. Um, and I was like, okay, I think I could do this. So I started scoping out potential speakers. And I started hitting people up on Twitter. And I was saying, hey, like, you know, think about doing this. Would you, if I do it, would you be interested in coming? And I had like a, a rough idea of, you know, the speakers I wanted to come and just started reaching out to people, right? And then they got back to me and said, yeah, I'd love to. Um, then I uh, met with my advisors and they gave me some good advice. And I'm like, okay, so uh, I got, once I found a venue and the right dates, because it was really late in the venue booking time. Right. So I was like, it was really hard for me to get the venue, the style of venue I want, as well as the dates I want. Because, you know, you have to keep it far enough away from Dub Dub. And uh-huh. you also have to keep it far enough away from Dev World. Because, I mean, I want... You know, I want people to have choice. I don't want to sort of, you know, push them out, you know. So February was the only dates I could get. And then I was like, okay, well, I got the venue and they gave me a contract and it was like, you know, if you if you cancel this contract, like if you can't, like if you sign this contract and you pull out the event, you owe us X amount of money. I'm like, wow, wow. that's a lot of money. But if you go through with it, um, you know, you, you won't be out of that money. You're like, you know. Etc. So it'll be, it'll be if I go through with it, it's actually I lose a lot less at worst case scenario, right? So I went through the thing and I signed the contract and I sent it back to them and said, look, can you finalize this as soon as possible so I can't back out? And then it, they finalize it within like an hour or something. So I was like, okay, well now I'm locked into this conference. That's do everything I can to sort of make it work. And so how do you sort of test the waters um, for your potential attendees? How do you find out? whether or not the interest is there and, um, and, or do you even do that? 
do you you know do like a pre-sale or do you just ask your friends like it was really yeah, it was me just asking my friends and going out and on a limb really I was like hey I'm thinking about doing this thing like because I I'm involved with the Melbourne Coca Heads um, and I was like do you think this would be something good and etc so then they all said yeah so and then I was like all right cool well I'll sign this contract and I announced our first speakers uh, Matt Comey was my first announcement and then Chris Idle for the second and that kind of set the tone of um, what Playgrounds is going to be. And then each each week, um, I just announced a new speaker. And it kind of just, the, the um, people started you know, talking about it and looking forward to it. And like, okay, I think I'm off to a good start with, you know, this, this lineup, at least, for, at least for now. So do you spend a lot of time working on Playgrounds right now? Or is it still, <laughs> is it just like a... I mean, because to me, it seems like there's a lot of things going on. But maybe you built a really awesome team. First off, your website is awesome. Thanks. You have great speakers. You have a podcast uh, where you're interviewing people. I just listened to the Greg Heo episode. Really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not you interviewing, right? It's someone else, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you have, like, a pretty active Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what's going on here? Are you, are you <laughs> like, a magician or do you have, like, a team? Uh, it's just me. So what? like, yeah, I, I work I mean, besides the podcast interviewer. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It's, wow. uh, yeah, I, I work nine to five, uh, at my job and then I go home and then I write emails and do correspondence till maybe I work on it every day, every weekend, every night. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have you thought about, I mean, I think I saw like something about volunteers on the website. Like how's mm-hmm. that been going? Have you tried to reach out and get volunteers? Yes. Or? With with volunteers, I wanted you know people help out on, on the day of the event you know because okay, I, I can't be every I can't be everywhere right right um, but I wanted the first year to be completely my decisions um, right you know let's say for, let's say something doesn't work right you know if if something goes wrong um, if there's two people involved or three people involved in decision making then it's kind of hard to sort of figure out where you went wrong mm. you know like is it this person's decision that this and this and this so I just really wanted to be in complete control. Uh, you know, I wanted to sort of execute purely on what I thought would be a, um, a good event. You know, whereas you have uh, multiple people make decisions, it becomes a, a sort of a discussion and a debate. Whereas right. I just wanted to be like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I think is going to work. And if it works, then great. If it doesn't work, then I only have myself to reflect upon. That kind of thing. So on that same vein, have you consulted with anybody or did you talk to your friends about like what the actual experience, the programming should be like? Or do you just, did you already kind of have a vision of what you wanted the conference to be like? I started off with like, you know, you know as you said, like a vision, like, okay, this is what I really liked from uh, these conferences and this is what I really liked from this conference. Um, and then I also have like a board of advisors who have run uh, similar conferences. So we used to have uh, one more thing in Australia, or Melbourne. That happened from 2011 to 2013. And there was also a Swipe conference, which also happened in Melbourne. So those people uh, who ran those conferences got in touch with them and said, look, this is what I want to do. And they sort of guided me through everything. And, you know, massive props to them because they were super transparent about everything. And uh, it really sort of helped me get along and sort of plan this event. Yeah. Okay, so... We're at the the hour mark, but I want to talk about a couple other things, if you don't mind. But before we do, uh, I want to maybe leave uh, the Playgrounds Conference talk with maybe one last thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So let's say, what do you what do you hope? So Playgrounds Conference, um, you know, happens. 
you know, it's it's three days. So on Saturday you wake up. How, what do you hope? Like, what's your sort of uh, hope when you wake up? How do you feel? After the event? Yeah. Uh, I really hope that uh, people have fun. <laughs> like awesome. they learn and have fun. And, you know, they uh, it's something they can sort of tell their friends that they went to. And then sort of um, I want to make it an event that people really want to see happen again. Um, yeah. As well as have fun, you know, because like we're doing uh, lightning talks, right? So one of our speakers couldn't make it anymore. So I needed to fill some time uh, to make the conference, you know, whole again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we gave our attendees um, the chance to, hey, submit a lightning talk. And these lightning talks, are, it's pretty much just have fun, you know. It, doesn't, it, it can be about whatever you want, uh, related to Swift or whatever. And then, you know, I want to do something really interesting where, um, you know, each lightning talk goes for five minutes and kind of like the whole five minutes and only five minutes. And if they go over, they kind of get clapped off stage. <laughs> and then nice. uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them to sort of like, you know, go around the front row and give high fives from everyone and get everyone to say, you know, when the speaker talks about like, say, I, I am Andy, I'm going to talk about this. And then I want to get the entire attendees to say, hey, Andy, like kind of that assembly kind of thing. And then I got medals printed up as well. So I'm going to give a medal for speaking at uh, playgrounds. Or for the lightning for, speakers. Oh, right. Awesome. How many lightning talks are, are there going to be? I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be eight. I think eight Okay. Yeah. And those would be eight attendees? Yes. Awesome. And have you started getting submissions? Uh, I've had a couple so far. I need to uh, still work on a bit more of the, uh, the newsletter and uh, get the word out a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to retweet it. And if you're out there and you're planning on attending, uh, submit for a lightning talk. It'd be really fun and it could... Uh, yeah, you might really enjoy it. You never know. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, I really hope people just have fun. It's it's purely uh, an exercise of having fun because the last hour of the conference, just this will be a little bit silly. I think it's interesting that you have found a way to combine the two things, um, at least through this conversation that we've learned about you that you enjoy, which is programming, you know, building and the hospitality hosting. Um, and I definitely relate to that. And I've spent a lot of my time um, in the past and, and, and very recently, and again in the future, I will, you know, hosting. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's just really awesome that you were able to do that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so a couple things before we go. Uh, I'm looking at your Twitter uh, profile. Uh, tell us about your profile picture. What's going on there? Oh, are you talking about the black and white one? Yeah, with your, your hair, it's like kind of spiky. You look like a Sonic or I don't know, like a of a poke, not a Dragon Ball Z. My, yeah, my mate Matt reckons it would be like my Street Fighter photo. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, when I was at uni, I, uh, I wanted to, I was going to do my, my resume or my CV in iOS form. So I was going to create like an app that was just my CV. Nice. And um, at uni, uh, you have people like, hey, I'm a photographer. I just need like some models or whatever. I was like, cool, I need a good headshot. And I was like, well, I met this person and then she, she made me do all these embarrassing poses with my iPad and stuff like that. But then I, cro I cropped it all out and just, I was like, ah, I kind of like this angle. Um, it, it's quite odd. I should probably maybe look at getting it retaken. No, it's uh, good. Yeah. No, I, think, I, think I look a bit good. different now, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I think, it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things like, okay, this looks good. And then I kind of just never changed it. No, I think it's a good one. <laughs> Okay, so before we go, would you say that you really like Swift or even love Swift? Oh, I love it. I mean, wow. I, mean I come from Objective-C, right? Like Objective-C, okay. 
uh, was the only language I'd probably call myself uh, proficient enough in. Like, you know, I can read it and write it, whereas I dabbled in like PHP and Visual Basic and stuff like that. And, you know, I thought, I thought Objective-C was the, the bee's knees, right? It's like, this is great, I can build apps. And then, you know, Swift came about. And as I learned more about Swift, I kind of realized that, wait, maybe Objective-C isn't really that cool or isn't really as versatile as I thought it was. And then, you know, Swift, I was like, well, I can do this and I'm still learning about it. It's kind of just that uh, rediscovering programming feel. Like, wow, what if I just do it this way? And, you know, uh, experimenting. Whereas uh, I kind of reached that point with Objective-C after doing it for like uh, five years or whatever. So, okay, I think I've learned as much as I could have um, for now. Okay, so it's like a little bit of freshness, maybe. Yeah, everything's new. Everyone's kind of starting from square, like the square one. So, you know, like when you talk about stuff and you say, hey, have you thought about doing this? And I say, no, I haven't. Thank you. And then it kind of just creates that cycle, right? Yeah, so in a way it is almost like kind of the wild, wild west, as we say in, uh, in the States. Like it's uh, green pastures, open field. Uh, there's no right way or established way. I mean, there are some, but we're mm. here. We're at the forefront. We're kind of creating the standards together. Exactly, yeah, definitely. I wonder how long that uh, excitement will last or that freshness will last, or maybe it will just ripen into some other kind of uh, interest or love. I think we're about, we're about three years in, approaching four, maybe, like in, uh, sometime in September. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're still working on the language, so as long as they're still working on it, and you know, a lot of stuff hasn't really been solidified, right? Uh, I think we still got a few more years until... Uh, the freshness goes away, right? Nice. Well, so my opinion, get, yeah. Yeah, so we still got to be on our toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we go, uh, let's see. Where can people contact you online? Uh, Twitter's probably the best one. So, uh, yeah, uh, at Andy Hope, so A-N-D-Y-Y-H-O-P-E. Okay, awesome. And uh, very, very last, one piece of advice for people learning Swift, go. Uh, I think I'm very big um, about learning in the open. So whether it be put all your findings in a blog post or a GitHub repo, doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, just put it up there and you know, you, you have people who sort of, maybe someone will come across it and say, have you thought about doing it this way? Um, the good thing about you know, programming in Swift is uh, people are really, really polite and helpful and uh, yeah, everyone wants, everyone wants to see everyone else succeed and learn. And I think there's massive benefits when you sort of learn in the open. Yeah, I like that. And there's other ways to do that, uh, right? You can blog, you can do a YouTube, you can yeah. just go to a meetup. Um, there's different ways. So that's, that's great. Yeah, learn in the open. I definitely relate to that because, you know, with my meetup, I was teaching people uh, and I was just learning. So like my first meetup, you know, maybe it was like two people at someone's house and I was teaching people how to like put a button on the screen using storyboards and maybe play a song, like the first song in the iTunes library. Yeah. But people yeah. were interested in that and I was teaching them and that excited me. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely different ways to, to do that. And I really relate to I think that's a great, really great advice. Learn in the open. I think yeah, another thing is like what you're doing is, you know, you're also giving something back. Um, you know, so like, let's say someone gives you help and then when you reach that point where you feel comfortable with your skills, it's also, it's also good to uh, just pass that on to the next person and sort yeah. of keep that cycle going. Because, I mean, I love teaching uh, I, and, you know, you have your meetup and, you know, you've reached a point where it's like, I feel comfortable 
uh, teaching other people. And then that sort of creates the, uh, the trend where I've got help, some help me, so now I should probably help someone else. Totally. Pay it forward, as we, yes, yes. As we like to say. <laughs> well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show today, for sharing your story with us. You know, getting that Sega uh, master system and then getting a compact Rosario and playing with GeoCities and spending two years trying to get on the Internet. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, and uh, finally getting on the Internet and, and customizing like the website with HTML and then, um, you know, studying a little bit in high school, but kind of like being ahead of the game already or ahead of your, your teachers, I guess, or, you know, whatever the curriculum was in high school. And then... Um, taking a year I think off uh, and doing that whole hospitality thing and then coming back and being a little more serious about you know education in your career and going to TAFE and kind of not really feeling like it was the right thing for you and then going to Edith for your university and taking um, yeah computer science seriously and then you were DJing to pay the bills and then you got a Mac started doing iOS development you got the internship you graduated and you uh, just like went to Melbourne, you know, just chasing like your, you know, what felt right and um, ended up, uh, you know, getting, doing iOS development, then you know, getting into Swift and now Playgrounds Conf. And so I wish you the best of luck. Um, thank you for sharing that story. I wish you the best of luck with Playgrounds. I wish I could make it there maybe next year. And thank you for sharing your story uh, about creating the conference. It really inspires me. Uh, to create something similar here in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking with you again. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.